0: And it's Esoteric Lessons from 1913 to 1923 by Rudolf Steiner, translated by Marshall Post. I'm on the third section. I'm reading these in sections of pages. Uh, And for your information, I numbered the previous uh, section two slightly wrong. So this section three begins with page 82 and ends with page 139. Esoteric Lesson given at The Hague, March 25th. 1913. In the previous lesson we saw what is in our consciousness above and below. We saw how from below, messengers in blue-violet color, the angels, come up, and in contrast how from above, as if dipped in fire, the archangels come down. And we saw that all these beings joined together, to a certain extent, to form a sphere into which human beings can see. Today I want to give you another meditation, which is so significant that spiritually striving people have prepared the way into the higher worlds through it alone. We must be clear that our whole earthly thinking is actually totally false. Of the expressions, I am, I think, I feel, and I will, Actually, only one is correct. The correct one is I am. All the others are from two-thirds to three-fourths wrong. It has often been pointed out that if we had only developed ourselves according to the intentions of the good gods, there would be no unconscious sleep. If only the good spirits had worked on us, we would have had in sleep, even though not quite the picture consciousness of the old moon period, a lively imagination of the surging effects of the cosmic spirit that weaves us. However, Lucifer entered our earthly development, and the good gods took our consciousness away during our sleep so that we would not bring back with us the terrible knowledge that Lucifer thinks in us. So modern human beings say, I think. All esotericists can see how wrong this is, when they have the experience that every time they begin their meditation, thoughts of events that often lie quite far back in time buzz around them, without their being able to do much about it. Only later, through practicing over a long period of time, do they manage to become master of their thoughts, and at the same time feel the truth of the mantra Es denkt mich, it thinks me. Modern human beings who think materialistically are quite far from accomplishing this. Even in day-waking consciousness, unwanted thoughts and ideas almost always occupy them. These thoughts and ideas come from outside and are of a luciferic nature. What is materialism actually? The reasons for materialism are not those that people usually give but rather the reason is fear, fear of the nothingness that human beings find before entering the spiritual worlds. This fear slumbers unconsciously in the depths of the soul, and it drives human beings to see things only outwardly, only materially. When we live into the great cosmic thinking, of which human beings are actually only a thought, when we in reverent awe sense the spiritual around us. We will increasingly learn to sense the maya of luciferic thinking, the lie of the phrase, I think. Yes, we will increasingly have the feeling that this I think is sucked away, as if burned, when we manage ever better to feel our way into and give ourselves totally to the divine spiritual. Es denkt mich, it thinks me. We should always, however, approach this divine spiritual with a feeling of deepest piety. Let us take the second phrase, I feel. If we were conscious during sleep, we would have to say that Lucifer Ahriman feels in us. Just as countless unwanted thoughts swarm around us, so, too, do feelings rise up in us without our knowing where they come from. Think of all the drives and desires that want to be fulfilled. But the good gods have dampened down our consciousness during sleep, and so we feel we are correct to say, I feel. With the greatest gratitude toward the high beings who form us, we should devote ourselves to the second mantra, Es webt mich, it weaves me. It is no different with our will impulses as it is with our thinking and feeling. In truth, we would have to say not, I will, but Ahriman wills in me. For most of our will impulses are ruled by Araman. Esotericists should, with a feeling of deepest reverence, imagine that higher beings work in them and have an effect. This is expressed in the third mantra, Es wirkt mich, it works me. These three mantras Es denkt mich Es webt mich Es wirkt mich It thinks me It weaves me It works me have high esoteric value. They can be meditated singly or together. The masters of wisdom and the harmony of feelings themselves gave these mantras and placed something quite specific into their vowel system. In the German... Es denkt mich, two E's in one I. E is always the sign of sacred awe and admiration with which we draw near to the Godhead. In contrast, the I means the giving of oneself, the feeling of oneself within the Godhead. With Es vept mich, we have the same vowels and organization of the vowels, two E's in one I. However, the D in denkt, Becomes a W in Vaped. We must feel the difference here. There lies in the D a putting or placing of something, a, a placing or standing on one's own. The W points to the surging, wave-like working of the divine, which we should live into entirely. In the third mantra, Es Ver Mich, there is one E and two I's. Again, the E means the pious awe and admiration. In contrast, the two eyes is the inward grasping, the feeling of oneself being within the Godhead, of being one with it. However, we should never meditate these mantras without the specific sacred feelings being aroused. With es denkt mich, the feeling of devotion. With es vaped mich, the feeling of gratitude with Es wökt mich, the feeling of reverence. Let us scrutinize our Rosicrucian mantra according to its vowels. This mantra was given out of the mysteries of ancient times. Both regulations that were strictly followed by the Essenes, not to think worldly thoughts after sundown, and before sunrise to ask that the sun may rise, are difficult to bring into harmony with modern scientific thinking. However, something else can take its place. Think about the first part of our Rosicrucian mantra, Ex Deo Nasimor. Upon awakening, we come out of the spiritual worlds to enter again into the temple of the physical body, which the good God so artfully prepared for us through the Saturn, Sun and Moon periods. We should feel astonishment and admiration, sacred awe about this. This is expressed in the two E's, ex deo. In the O lies the encompassing. In the A, in nasimur, there is a certain fear, a pulling back. In the I, there is again the complete devotion or the giving of oneself. And in the U, which is to a certain extent a repetition of the O, is the full joining together with the physical body and the earthly consciousness. In the second part of the Rosicrucian mantra, of which the second word is unspeakable, let us think of the substantiality with which we unite ourselves after death. We die into Christ and receive through this death full consciousness in the spiritual worlds, the post-mortem consciousness in Cristo Morimor. Here we have the three times intensified I, This signifies the grasping of our own inwardness and the immersing of ourselves in and becoming one with Christ. Then the O, U, signifies the complete encompassing and joining together with Christ. Even if life in the physical body helps us to have earthly consciousness and dying into the Christ substance brings post-mortem consciousness, we still do not yet have knowledge of ourselves, self-consciousness. For this the messenger of Christ, the Holy Spirit, must help us. Per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. Here the consonants are the most important. The P means to place something, to place something over against something. The S is the going forth out of the bosom of the gods. As the S sound resounded through cosmic space, the spine of the human being was created. The wave-like surging of the S is also the sign of Lucifer, in whose serpentine slithering the S is mirrored. If we manage to overcome Lucifer, we gain the spiritual force that gives us the proper self-consciousness, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson, given in Berlin on April eleventh, 1913 Record A Again and again beginning esotericists complain that they are disturbed by all kinds of thoughts invading their meditations and exercises. That should not surprise us, because thoughts are the only spiritual element of the physical plane. And when we attempt to meditate, the thoughts announce themselves. We should also not want to fight all too hard against these thoughts, as it will not do any good. The only thing we can do is to persist in exerting our will in order to return ever again to the content of our meditation. The exertion of the will is much more important than how well a meditation goes. When We return repeatedly to the content of the meditation. We push the thoughts back and, at the same time, create a sphere around ourselves in which there are no thoughts that would disturb us. Precisely this sphere is the most suitable for being able to have supra-sensible experiences. Esotericists also experience that they begin to notice certain characteristics in themselves, that they had never recognized before. Here, again, here it is not a matter of fighting against these characteristics. There would be no method or remedy for doing so. The only thing one can do is to continue with strength to do the given exercises. These exercises are what have brought out the characteristics and have made them noticeable. And by continuing these exercises, the characteristics will disappear of their own accord. Now, perhaps you will, through your practice of the exercises, come so far as to have this or that supra-sensible experience, for instance, seeing imaginations. Then the beginners always ask whether what they saw was just imaginary or whether it was a reality in the spiritual realm. You can ask this question when you are judging according to the manner of the physical plane. This can hardly be otherwise at the beginning of the esoteric path. This question has meaning only on the physical plane. In the spiritual world, what is of importance is totally different. Let us assume, for example, that a man, it need not be a meditant, has seen his double. It could be that he had planned to go to a gathering or a meeting at which someone intended to poison him. Now he enters a half-dark room and sees himself standing there. Because of the impression of this experience, he does not go into the gathering, and as a result he does not get poisoned. The form in which the experience clothed itself is not what is important. The most significant thing is that the spiritual being that accompanies the human being from incarnation to incarnation wanted to make an impression on him. Just such a being exists, which belongs to the hierarchy of the angels and is called by various religions the guardian angel of the human being. This being could not influence the man's thinking in such a way that he would have known through thinking. I should not go to the meeting tonight. The angel cannot influence our thinking because our thoughts, all except for those that arise through spiritual science, belong to the physical plane. And for this reason, they cannot be influenced by the suprasensible. After death and already during sleep, we lay aside our thoughts, with the exception of the spiritual scientific thoughts. However, our feelings and will impulses reach far beyond, into the suprasensible realms, and therefore an impression can be made upon them. That happens, for instance, in the seeing of the double. It can also happen, however, that people see their double, not because their angel shows it to them, but because the etheric body becomes free, even if only for a moment. And they see their physical body standing before them. It is also possible that they see their double simply because they have upset their stomach, and because of that, the etheric body, perhaps only that part which serves the stomach, is freed for a moment. We must carefully differentiate between these ways of viewing the double. It can also occur that an impression that must be made, as in the case of the attempted poisoning, is made in a different way. In one instance a person might see the double, and in another the person might enter a room, and at the same moment with a loud noise a painting inexplicable falls from the wall. This corresponds approximately to the writing of a message in German one time and in Latin another time. Readers aside, I forgot to mention that these are notes by participants and not Steiner's actual words. End of readers aside. Therefore, it does not make much sense to ask whether what you have seen is real or not. And a teacher of esotericism would never give an explanation for an imagination that you have had merely once, but only for one that has often repeated itself or is important for some other reason. It is just as if someone were to write B-I-N on the blackboard and someone else were to say, I see a vertical straight line with two little curved arches, a vertical line and then three lines connected to each other. However, another person who had learned to read would immediately say, that is the word bin. There is no immediate definite explanation of the imaginations. Rather, you must first learn how to read them. Or it can happen that esotericists at the very beginning of their path see some kinds of figures in the air, and there's an illustration below. Then they would perhaps go to an eye doctor who would tell them that it was an illness of the eyes. From the standpoint of the eye doctor, that is correct. For the eye doctor, the whole belief in theosophy is an illness. But the figures in the air all stem only from the fact that the etheric body is beginning to make new movements and that these carry over once in a while to the physical body. That is why the esotericist sees these figures. Some esotericists might say that their physical body is then damaged by the exercises, if the etheric body affects it in this way. And then the esotericists are overcome by a terrible fear of every little pain and complaint. Yet there is absolutely no danger with these things, With time, the etheric body itself will remove them. Also for this, the only remedy is to calmly persevere. Occasionally, people complain that they get a terrible headache right above the bridge of the nose and ask what to do about it. It would be best to do nothing about it, but to calmly continue with the meditations. At first, the pain will get worse to the point that they feel as if their head would split open. However, first of all, their head will not split open, and secondly, it will be possible that precisely because of this pain, they will break through the wall that separates them from the supersensible. Only through pain and suffering can we further develop ourselves. Often also with the illnesses that arise, these are the karmic results of certain evolutionary conditions that you have already gone through in an earlier life. And which you cannot eliminate or remove in any other way than through illness and suffering. Many times people notice that after an illness is over, they have progressed in their development. One should feel that everything that comes is karma. End of record A. Record B. It happens again and again that beginning esotericists come to me with an overwhelming experience of their meditation. They complain especially, as happens often, that the moment they begin their meditation, thoughts buzz around them like a swarm of bees. Memories arise that are often of a sorrowful nature, and they often lie quite far back in time. We must be clear that all esotericists, under all circumstances, make progress. When their thoughts buzz around them, that is a sign of progress for they must become aware of the fact that when they do their exercises and meditations they receive more spiritual forces. Thoughts and memories are the only spiritual elements on earth. When they press themselves upon the human being, that is a good sign. The what is not the main thing in meditating, but the how. For this reason we should persevere and ever again make our will active. The steadfast will is the main thing, and even when the meditation absolutely does not go well, the will is still strengthened. Precisely in such a space or sphere, out of which the swarming thoughts have been driven, is the best possibility for a manifestation or phenomenon to come out of the spiritual world. Others come and tell me that they have experienced this or that and ask if it is a reality or an illusion. That is difficult to answer. Naturally, it is a truth, a reality. However, one must be careful not to credit it with too much significance. This question has meaning only on the physical plane. In the spiritual world, it means nothing. Others have complained about a strong pain just above the bridge of the nose, at the root of the nose, between the eyes, and ask what they can do for it. You see, you must simply bear it. Just keep on meditating. The pain will get worse. It will feel as if your head is going to split open. But, firstly, your head will not split apart, and, secondly, through this you can break through the wall that separates us from the suprasensible. Only through pain and suffering can we further develop ourselves. Often illnesses that arise are the karmic results of developmental circumstances we have gone through in an earlier life and which our soul can reject or get rid of only through illness and suffering. We often notice after such an illness is over that we have progressed in our development. We should think of everything that comes as karma. Even when specific characteristics appear, such as egotism, vanity, etc., we should not fight against them, but simply continue meditating. We should not apply any method or remedy against them, but rather continue to exert ourselves with our exercises, because they will indeed drive such traits out of us. Beginning esotericists often see their double. For instance, a man enters a room and suddenly finds himself standing in front of himself. Let us also imagine that he wanted on that particular evening to go to a social gathering where he was to be poisoned. That could, of course, be karmic. Now he encounters the appearance of his double, which would most likely keep him from going into the gathering. How did that happen? Yes, you see, each of us has an angel that leads our life from one incarnation to the next. In religions, orders or spiritual movements, it is called the guardian angel. The angel wanted to protect the man, to warn him. How was the angel to do this? The angel could not speak to the man. Especially since he was not yet an esotericist, his thinking was completely earthly. Only spiritual thinking is suprasensible. Physical thinking is of a purely earthly nature. Feeling and willing, however, are connected with the spiritual worlds. The angel seeks therefore to make an impression on feeling and willing and sends the man an imagination the double can be karmically contingent on yet something else. For instance, through a sudden shock, the etheric body can be loosened and one finds oneself facing one's own physical body or a quite trivial thing can cause it. One may have upset one's stomach. The etheric body leaves that particular place and one sees oneself. The form in which the occurrence clothes itself is not the main thing. It can just as easily happen that someone enters a room and that, at that moment, with thunder-like, deafening noise, a picture falls from the wall. It is the same situation as if one were to write a communication one time in German and another time in Latin. An imagination is of value only when it appears often. One person will understand it, another will not. It is precisely as if someone would use all kinds of straight and curved lines to write the word bin on the blackboard. For some, it would be just lines. Others would read the word bin. There is no definite reading of imaginations, however. Or people will may see small circles as below and not know what to make of them. A medical doctor will think it is due to an illness of the eyes. For the doctor, belief in theosophy is already an illness. In reality, the circles are just proof that the etheric body has begun to move and carries this movement over to the physical body. Because of this, the person sees these things, the small circles. Many people think that the physical body suffers damage through spiritual development and therefore they fear it. Yet there is no danger present. After a period of time, the etheric body itself eliminates these effects. The end of record B. Record C. It is not a bad sign when all kinds of thoughts storm us during meditation, because in meditation everything becomes intensified, and so this is quite natural. However, precisely this is of greatest importance that we hold them at a distance. In the empty space we create around ourselves through meditation, we have, through holding back what wants to storm us, the best chance to see esoteric phenomenon. Also, our strength increases because of it. The fact that our will succeeds in getting through this, no matter what happens, is of greater value than the meditation itself. It is important not to expect some other blessing or well-being, but we should continue our meditation strictly and with the deepest earnestness. This will to proceed ever further is of the greatest significance. Many meditants ask if this or that imagination that they have, had, is real or not. The question should not be put in that way, because an imagination can indeed be real, but that is not what matters. What is important is to grasp the meaning of what stands behind this meditation, imagination. For example, we could see our double. This imagination can come about either through our guardian angel For instance, to keep us from going out for the evening, or it can come about because, through the exercises, the etheric body separates from the physical body for a moment. Or it can occur because the stomach is overburdened, and so the etheric stomach leaves the physical body for a moment. Thus it is important here to develop further to the point of a sensing or feeling, which is at the same time a knowing of what the imagination signifies. It can also happen that meditants see all kinds of figures and a doctor would say that something is wrong with their eyes and there's a figure there. The seeing of these figures can occur because through the exercises the etheric body takes on other forms and therefore works differently upon the physical body. Some meditants complain that they get a terrible headache. However, it would be best if they would not complain at all but simply persevere even when their head appears to be about to burst. Precisely the strength and the exertion you have to apply to get through this brings you forward. After a while, such phenomena, can also be disagreeable warmth, sound or aromatic impressions, cease on their own. Through persevering and going through this, something is overcome, and the real experiencing of the etheric world begins. But esotericists are sometimes fearful of facing this, even though they know that fear is something that wants to come to us when we go through our training and is precisely what we must conquer in order to become ever stronger. We know that our path upward leads through suffering and difficulties. Also, we should not forget the reality of karma. Consciousness of karma must help us to bear everything, We can, for example, become ill as a result of a development in a previous life and through wrestling with the forces of the illness we can reach a further stage of strength than we had attained in a previous life. The powerful force that leads us upward is perseverance, always going forward and seeing all difficulties in the right light. Also meditating our mantra, E D N I C M. P-S-S-R With the right feelings, will lead us onward. The end of record C. Record D. Through the esoteric exercises, we will more and more come to do certain daily tasks automatically. We must, however, not lose control over them. During meditation, we must, through strength of will, attempt to push aside all the thoughts rushing in. The space freed up through this effort will afford spiritual facts the best opportunity to enter in. The experience of the double can occur early on. It can happen that we enter a dimly lit room and see a picture of our own physical body facing us. Then we must distinguish the three possible meanings of this. First, it can be a warning given to us by our guide from the hierarchy of the angels. For example, our angel might be warning us not to go to a social gathering where we would be poisoned. The experience then keeps us from going. The guide cannot send us thoughts, for thoughts belong only to the physical world. Feelings and will impulses belong to the spiritual world. Second, we may have, through our concentration exercises, loosened the etheric body so that it lifts, even if only for a moment out of the physical body. Then we can experience our double. Third, we may have a stomach ache. The etheric body departs from this part of the body, and we can see the double then also. We must learn to know what the experiences signify. Then we will not be able to say that we do not know if something is a reality or an illusion. The end of record D and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson Given in Strasbourg on May 14, 1913 Record A Our meditations gradually have the effect that we, in a body-free state, enter into the higher worlds and learn to know and to see there. It does not matter only that we enter into the higher worlds, but also how we enter is important. The soul attitude we have when entering the higher worlds, must be a good moral one. S-O-U-L Now, it is so that human beings, as sense physical beings, have first of all been abandoned by the good. They no longer sense the morality and goodness that could and should speak to them out of the all of creation. In order to give human beings freedom, Lucifer drew out the moral, so to speak. Human beings must now find it and awaken it at first in themselves and then bring it back again to the spiritual divine worlds. Today when we observe the sun rise and set, we do not feel any moral impulse streaming to us from there. If it were not for Lucifer, we would feel streaming from the sun forces that pulse through us in such a way that we would know and feel ourselves to be an I. When we observe the moon with the methods of astronomy, we know that in the time from the new moon to the full moon and from the full moon to the new moon, constellations bringing balance hold sway. These constellations bring it about that we see at first a quarter, then a half, and then the whole surface of the moon illuminated. We no longer feel that if the constellations were totally different ones and if the moon changed its position only a tiny bit, then living beings such as human beings in their physical bodies could no longer exist at all for the forces of reproduction flow from the moon. When we look at Mercury our staring no longer gives us the ability to recognize that without Mercury no connection between the sun forces and the moon forces would take place between the eye forces and the forces of reproduction. In the same way With Venus, we do not feel that without its mild light, all of those love relationships between people that make them so happy would not exist. Lucifer permeated the human astral body with egotism. This was necessary for the sake of the development of the freedom and independence of the individual. However, It must not go so far that human beings become insensitive to the moral element. This has happened, however, in relation to nature. It has happened, for example, in our relationship to the elements. We should have been able to sense from air, fire, water and earth that they exist in order to create a punitive compensation for our human sins that in them live the elemental forces, the ill-making forces. We must and should allow these forces of illness to work themselves out in us so that they can purify us. The same words can be both true and false, depending on who speaks them. When Lucifer says, quote, Nature is sin, spirit is the devil, close quote, these words are a mockery. In the sense just developed that material nature should punish us for the sake of our sins and that we should sense the spirit in nature as something that brings us illness and suffering, these words are true. For pain and suffering are the God-given remedies to recognize and overcome egotism. When Lucifer says, quote, you will be like God, close quote, it is a lie, but understood correctly, it is true. Christ says, quote, You are gods, close quote, the sons of the Godhead. The human being is called to become a God. What does modern materialism that breaks the world up into atoms, into physical matter, want? And what is it doing? It wants to make the forces of sin eternal, for matter is condensed error. Through spiritual development, matter must turn into spirit. We must wrest from nature the moral element that was laid into it by the divine cosmic wisdom. Rosicrucian wisdom foresaw this whole materialistic development. For that reason it gave methods and showed paths to an elevated morality, without which we shall not enter into the higher worlds for salvation and blessing. We would perhaps indeed enter therein, but we would not find that Lucifer approaches us there as the guide into the knowledge of the higher worlds, as he should be. He would be there as tempter, who feigns all kinds of divine spirituality and shows us what is not real. Ex Deo Nasimer Thus we should speak, and at the same time with elevated soul look up to the moon as the giver of the opportunity to incarnate ever again and to perfect ourselves in the physical body on the earth in Christo morimor here we look up to the sun in order to sense from there ourselves as i beings as divine spiritual beings through christ the lofty spirit connected with the sun per spiritum sanctum revivimus we look up to mercury and venus neither of which manifest in physical representations but reveal themselves purely spiritually. This is because the power of the spirit that trains the human being to spiritual love is distributed on these, Mercury and Venus, and the other planets, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn. Plato felt like an echo that human beings had been abandoned by the good. He felt that the good lived withdrawn Deep in the bosom of the Godhead, in controlled silence. Plato said, God is the good. Christ Jesus also said that the good had withdrawn from human beings. No one is good but God alone. Thus we want to strive unceasingly for higher morality, so that we will become able to sense the moral impulses in nature the sun, the moon, and the stars, and to bring back to the spiritual world again the moral element that Lucifer had taken away for the sake of our freedom. The end of Record A. Record B. Two things are necessary for esotericists. First, they should devote themselves faithfully to doing their exercises, and second, they need to develop a specific fundamental attitude that I will describe. In ordinary life, no one asks upon awakening why the sun rises again, nor does it move people when they see the progression of the phases of the moon from full moon to new moon and back again, or when they see the individual planets shining in the starry heavens. People do not think they have to connect any moral significance to all of this. The moral world and the natural world are thought to be separate from one another. This brings it about that human beings really do live in a world that is abandoned by the good. For esotericists, the moral world and the natural world must be united again. When esotericists observe the sunrise, they can never describe it as the astronomer does. They know that without the sunlight, an eye could never live within them. The influence of the sunlight always works upon human beings. Even when they are sleeping in the night, a spiritual influence goes forth from the sun. When esotericists see the moon, they know that if the moon did not pass through its phases, humanity would not be able to exist. It would cease to be. If the moon were shifted even just a little out of its path in relation to the sun, the existing human race would wither. It would not be able to bring forth any descendants because the moon brings the power of reproduction. When esotericists look at Mercury, they know that it unites the forces of the moon with those of the sun. The eye forces of the sun could eternally descend, and the reproductive forces of the moon could continue to build people. But without the uniting force of Mercury, these forces would always remain separated. And from Venus streams the force of love through which the possibility for this uniting comes about. The fact that we can no longer sense these relationships as being moral comes from the Luciferic influence. We are set in a world abandoned by the good because Lucifer pulled the moral element out and separated it from the natural world. Through this, forces that make us ill came into matter, illness-bringing forces. People today have so little knowledge of things that they know the word "trankung" to make or become ill, only in connection with the soul, that is, as it is used today in the sense of one's feelings being hurt or as in hurting someone's feelings. The good is not to be found in this world, but only outside of it. Plato said, quote, God is the good, close quote. Also, Christ pointed to it when he said, No one is good but God alone. The good gods laid evil into matter, so that human beings will learn out of freedom to turn away from it. This may be expressed only out of a specific mood, for the meaning or significance of what was said depends on the mood out of which it was spoken. Thus Lucifer maintained, You will be like the gods. Quote. And Christ Jesus spoke as the highest truth, quote, "...you are gods." Quote. Only in a special state of mind and soul may it be said that matter is nothing other than concentrated wrongfulness. Concentrated sin is matter. Materialists think of matter as being divided into atoms and that these atoms have an eternal existence. However, these atomic theories of the 19th century are based on nothing other than the wish to pull sin together into little atoms and then to make them eternal. There is also the wish not to recognize anything else besides this in the world. Goethe spoke out of deep esoteric knowledge when he said, nature is sin, spirit is devil, close quote. However, he said this as a mockery because he knew that one may not express such truths in a conventional manner. Through the influence of Lucifer, egotism came into the astral body. As a remedy for egotism, the gods gave something that is itself also egotistical. That means it is experienced in the eye. This remedy is pain. The gods chose this remedy in order to help human beings overcome this sin, and yet leave them free. For this reason, it is necessary that human beings develop morality before they ascend into the higher worlds. Our movement is reproached for stressing the necessity of moral development so much. You can indeed enter into the spiritual world without morality. But if you do not know Lucifer, you will see a spiritual world populated with the most beautiful figures, but which are false. Modern science considers the human being to be made up only of matter, which is actually sin. Rosicrucianism foresaw that this would come about and therefore caused a different thought to flow into the world through the mantra Ex Deo Nosamur. When we consider the moon we can think that we are born out of the forces that are connected with the moon. The sun reminds us of the sun spirit of Christ, who was connected with the sun and who gave us the force of the eye. In Cristo morimur. And when we speak the mantra per spiritum sanctum revivissimus, let us think of those beings who are connected with the five other planets and whom we address in their totality as the Holy Spirit. The end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson Given in Stuttgart on May eighteenth, 1913 Record A Esotericists can progress only when they make themselves increasingly conscious of certain things. They must deeply and earnestly imbue themselves with what was discussed yesterday in the public lecture. It must become a real experience that just as the air we inhale and have in our lungs is a part of our surrounding atmosphere. So too does the soul spiritual in us belong to the whole soul spiritual surroundings. Esotericists must be quite clear that waking up and going to sleep are nothing other than an inhaling and exhaling of the soul spiritual. They must understand ever more clearly their surrounding world. Let us assume that some people in exoteric life have no consciousness of the air surrounding them. They can perceive only the minerals, plants, solid and liquid elements, the mountains, and so forth. They might see the clouds and perceive thunder and lightning or something similar, yet are not conscious of the air between these things. This person would be like the exotericists who have the spiritual world surrounding them, but know nothing of it. First of all, in the current epoch, It is appropriate, and in correspondence with this point in earthly evolution, that exotericists hold the surrounding physical world to be the reality in which they should consciously work. Esotericists, however, should understand the physical world quite differently. What is this difference? It is correct that exotericists assess physical things everywhere according to cause and effect. And today, natural science is quite proud to prove cause and effect in all outer processes. For the esotericists, it should be different. When they, for example, contemplate history, it should not be thought that facts and events occur as the result or effect of something else, but rather that these physical events are only signs of spiritual occurrences. They must learn to connect these things with each other, and through this read them correctly. People cannot read properly when they know only the individual letters of the alphabet. Just as those who can read combine letters in a sensible manner and do not ask, for example, when they look at the word but, if the letter U is the result of the letter B, so too must the individual signs of outer history, of outer events, be read in the right way. Therein lies the true nature of the esotericist, that he or she learns to do this more and more. We will consider an example of this from human life that is itself quite difficult to understand. We know that the most essential thing in human life, between birth and death, is the consciousness that connects individual experiences. We are conscious of our past back as far into our childhood as memory reaches. This memory is important in our life. In abnormal cases, human beings lose this consciousness. For example, a man, let us say, in a city in Central Europe, went to the train station and bought a ticket to another city. Upon arriving in this city, he bought a ticket to another city, and so on. He also traveled by ship, and after a time he arrived in North Africa. But he had forgotten everything that happened from his original station of departure onward. In fact, he had forgotten his whole life, from birth on. Yet he had acted in a totally reasonable and intelligent manner, all the way from buying the tickets, traveling, and arriving in Morocco, perhaps more reasonably than other people. This shows that reason and consciousness are not one and the same thing. Students in school, for example, can learn much and grasp it with their reason and yet if their consciousness is not there, they cannot use what they have learned. It is like having a tool that they leave unused. How is it then with people such as the man described above, who in abnormal instances lose the consciousness that connects everything and brings continuity? When these cases are examined, it shows that such people already had earlier in life the characteristic of not observing outer things exactly. For modern human beings it seems reasonable to look at things according to whether those things call forth sympathy or antipathy. Many people, like the one described above, could travel through many countries and notice everywhere only what aroused their sympathy or antipathy. That is a deficiency. For we should strengthen our eye consciousness precisely through observing all things and events exactly and with interest. It is quite necessary to hold this up especially for theosophists because precisely theosophists are easily inclined through their theosophical interests to become one-sided and to lose interest in many physical things. Yet they should observe all occurrences and things with interest love and sympathy. For the soul spiritual in us, the soul spiritual is inhaled out of the spiritual world into our body upon awakening, attains full self-consciousness through observing, with interest and love, outer events and beings. Esotericists should become ever more conscious of this. They should become aware that this is one important side of life. This soul-spiritual, which goes out from the soul-spiritual world, enters into the physical world and ignites its self-consciousness in the physical world. Esotericists learn to know this part of their life like a letter of the alphabet in world events. The I-consciousness is like a sign or letter for the soul-spiritual core of the human being, but there is still more to it. Today there are a number of human beings on the earth, with time the sons and daughters of these people will come. Before that, others, the parents of today's adults, were here. We know that through this lineage, heredity takes place, heredity of the body, the abilities and characteristics. It becomes an ever more conscious reality that the forces streaming through the hereditary lineage make up the other important side of life. At birth or conception, the soul coming out of the spiritual worlds unites with the forces of physical heredity. These two sides of life form two letters, and esotericists will become increasingly able not only to see the nature of these letters as single letters, but to read them together correctly. Esotericism also gives an outer symbol which can be drawn for the connection between the two letters or signs. When we want to indicate with this symbol the I entering in from out of the spiritual world, it is thus, the consciousness that forms by drawing as if magnetically the forces of heredity to it and surrounding itself with them. This is represented by a circle with a point in the center, and there is a diagram. Now this sign also really already exists in the world. The gods drew it, and we find it in the sky. If we regard the point in the drawing as the earth, the circle is the path of the moon, and thus we can see in the celestial bodies a sign written by the gods. It is a sign that the earth is the place of the developing eye consciousness, while the physical orbit of the moon and the physical moon, which turns through all of its phases, from new moon to first quarter to half moon to full moon, is the outer sign for the forces working in heredity. Through the physical sun directing its light onto the earth and through objects on the earth raying this light back to the sun, self-consciousness can be kindled in the human soul. Were the sun to stop shining even for only a moment, the possibility for a self-conscious human life would cease and without the forces of the moon, physical heredity could not continue. If the moon were to be pushed out of its orbit even only by a little bit, the forces that are necessary for the continuity of the physical heredity of the human being would cease to work. Human beings would still live a while longer with the forces inherent in them, but then physical reproduction would come to an end. Indeed, a time will come in the future When the forces of the earth become so strong that the earth will again take the moon into itself, then the forces that now work from the moon and bring forth heredity will no longer exist. The human being will cease to be a propagator of offspring, and the human race will come to an end. All of this must become ever more a reality for esotericists. They must learn to understand correctly the point within the circle in the manner described. Just as when people, when they can read, write the word up, they do not write the P and the U in just any manner, but the U and then the P, so is it also with the signs of the point and the circle. Esotericists put them together correctly, and they can then read the symbol for their nature, in which the soul spiritual becomes conscious through union with the forces of heredity. Yet there are still other forces acting in order to bring about the life of the human being the way it is. If we go back in the history of humanity, to the ancient time of the Egyptians and Persians, we see how human beings everywhere progress through their thinking. Human beings have had to contribute to the process of development through their thinking by living on earth as beings with reasoning ability. But these other forces do not come from human beings themselves. Such a thought can be believed only by a science that would so gladly talk people into its fantasies. These forces do not come from the moon either. They come from regions that reach beyond the orbit of the moon. And so we must represent this with the second circle in our drawing. And we find this also placed in the cosmos by the gods. This second circle is the apparent orbit of Mercury, the Venus of today. In the spiritual forces that have Mercury as their physical expression, we can see what bestows reason upon the human being. And there's a diagram. Esotericists must learn to understand this. While in ordinary life they look only outwardly at the moon and Mercury, they should not merely try to grasp this Mercury with their intellects, but should see in it the outer sign for spiritual forces through which human beings are given the power of reason. They should look up to the planet with feelings of awe and gratitude. Were the forces of Mercury to cease, human beings would have consciousness on earth, but they would have no reasoning power. Yet even this is not all of it. Still other forces must be added to bring about the life and development of the human being. If only reason or intellect had worked in previous epochs of humanity, no progress would have occurred. Human beings would have indeed thought, but no new thoughts would have entered into evolution. In truth, we see that new ideas are always flowing into humanity. Today, children in school learn things that were unknown to the human being at the time of Pythagoras. Without such new thoughts, all the inventions and progress would not have been possible. From where do these thoughts come? They come from a yet higher sphere, which we represent with a further circle, the apparent orbit of Venus, today's Mercury. Venus is the physical expression for the spiritual forces that fructify the human reasoning or intellect with new ideas that go beyond the ordinary brain thinking. There are still further forces, which, although they do not directly work upon the earth in human beings, work indirectly by raying upon Venus. These are the Mars forces. In order that these Mars forces do not work in a warlike manner when they radiate onto Venus and through Venus indirectly onto earth, there streams onto Mars a lofty divine force out of the surroundings of Jupiter. This force is not easy to describe in words. It can be described as a spiritual light that cannot be physically perceived. Human beings can, however, experience this light inwardly as the force of love when they look up in awe and gratitude to this cosmic being, Jupiter. Jupiter. And become conscious of the grace that streams down upon them from there. The love light forces, working upon Mars, prevent the Mars forces from working in a warlike, combative fashion upon Venus and the Earth. And finally, from the yet higher sphere of Saturn come forces of which we can form a concept if we think of the warmth of enthusiasm. These warmth forces stream into Jupiter and unite with its light. Now we must draw here between Venus and Mars the path or sphere of the Sun. See drawing on following page. We then have the three orbits of Moon, Mercury and Venus between the Sun and the Earth. They are the forces that work directly upon the Earth. The three on the outside, Mars, Jupiter and Saturn, work only indirectly, through Venus, upon the earth. From the spiritual sun forces, human beings receive the I force, the consciousness of self that unites with the moon forces, and so on, in order to bring about the whole being of the human being. First of all, there are two suns, the spiritual sun that gives us the I, and the physical sun that enlivens the physical earth through its rays of light and warmth. Then we must grasp a third sun, namely the mediator of the highest spiritual forces, which unites the outer sun forces with the inner sun forces and which sends its forces of grace onto the earth and has has ever since the mystery of Golgotha took place. This spiritual sun is the Christ principle. It is what human beings can experience within themselves When they truly comprehend the statement of Paul, Not I, but Christ in me. This third Son was always revealed to the candidate for initiation in the centers of Christian initiation. It was a great tragedy that Julian the Apostate, who knew about this third Son, could not inwardly experience it completely. Thus we have this sphere of the threefold Son and outside of it are the three circles that represent the forces which work indirectly upon the earth. Inside of the sun circle are the three circles of the forces that work directly upon the earth. In each of these seven circles there stands one of the seven heavenly bodies, or planets. Thus we can also see our rose cross, with its seven roses, as a symbol of this sevenfold heavenly rose. The being of humankind is born from out of what streams onto earth, from the three inside spheres, ex deonasimer. The three outside circles denote the high spiritual forces through which our higher nature is founded, per spiritum sanctum revivimus. The connection between the two is formed by the middle half circle, this sphere of the sun, the physical, spiritual, and Christ's sun, in. Blank. Moremore more. End of record A. Record B. When esotericists want to make progress, it is good to work with a statement such as, quote, As the lungs inhale the air, so too the physical and the etheric bodies breathe in the spirit upon awakening. Close quote. They should make its full meaning clear and contemplate it meditatively. In our materialistic age, only what can be perceived with the outer senses is counted as real. However, just as this age can deny the spirit, so too could someone deny the existence of air, because it is sensed with the finer senses. Esotericists should accustom themselves to look at outer occurrences only as letters, as signs of a cosmic word. Esotericists would not ask concerning the word, in quotes, but... B U T, whether or not the U is the result of B, rather they know that these letters have to be put together in this way to form the word. Thus, esotericists should not concern themselves so much about cause and effect, but should tell themselves that the things and events are necessary to form cosmic words. Exotericists, those who occupy themselves only with outer things, are inclined to consider everything only according to sympathy and antipathy. They are prepared to, very quickly, pay attention only to what they like and, when possible, to ignore the other. A special kind of mental illness that can be observed. A totally normal-acting man begins to travel from place to place, but finally upon arrival at some distant place, it is as if he suddenly awakens. Upon reflection, he finds that he cannot remember anything that has happened since he departed on the trip. When we examine the past of such a person, we can find that, already earlier, he passed by many things of this world without having any interest in them. Through this he weakened his eye to a great degree. It is a weakness, almost like a temporary loss of the eye. Theosophists are also often inclined to turn themselves away from the outer world. However, if you want to make progress, a loving interest in our surroundings is absolutely necessary. We do not have to neglect what we are striving for theosophically in order to have this interest in the outer world. Thus the eye takes hold of and grasps itself in our memory. High beings have given us the eye and memory, the eye grasping itself in the memory, is like a letter that esotericists must learn and which the gods have written in cosmic space. The high beings who bring the eye have their dwelling on the sun. They give us what goes from incarnation to incarnation. We received our physical bodies from forces that work down through the generations, and these forces work upon us from a circle inscribed by the moon orbit. What goes thus from generation to generation is like a second letter. We can draw this schematically. We will draw the eye, which becomes conscious in the memory as a point. Around this we draw a circle as the orbit of the moon. What would happen to the earth if the moon were pushed through some force to another place? The forces of reproduction working through the generations would dry up. Humanity would not be able to reproduce and would thus die out. True esotericists must therefore look up full of reverent gratitude to the beings who influence them through the moon forces. They must tell themselves that they have these beings to thank for their development through the generations. When, as is supposed to happen in the future, the force of attraction of the earth becomes so great that the moon is pulled into it, Humanity will arrive at the end of its physical evolution. From the sun we receive the forces that strengthen our eye. We should not just passively observe the sun, but allow the thought to arise, O you magnificent cosmic body! Through you, through your sun forces of grace, I receive my eye and all the forces that are connected with it. In all-filled reverence I thank you. We can draw the Sun forces as a second circle. In order for both what comes out of generations and what comes out of the sequence of incarnations to come together, forces that live above the Sun sphere must work, the Mercury forces. Through them we received our intellect, which is bound to the brain. When we look in the direction of Mercury, and in general when we use our power of reasoning, we should feel gratitude, toward these beings who have given the intellect to us. Yet there is something still higher than the mere intellect. Evolution would not have been able to progress, but would have remained at the same point if ever new creative thoughts had not flowed into it. Children in school today learn things that the Pythagoreans, in all their wisdom, did not know. And these new thoughts flow in continually, from a sphere above Mercury from Venus through Venus creative thoughts flow into evolution that manifest for example in inventions only through this is progress possible this kind of thinking does not go through the intellect as it is not bound to the brain rather it is lighter and more related to feeling above the sphere of Venus are lofty forces that do not work directly upon humanity they work through and fructify the Venus forces these are the Mars forces in order that these Mars forces in their collaboration with Venus do not have a warlike effect there streams in from a still further surrounding the sphere of Jupiter a lofty divine light force which is imperceptible and is seen as darkness by ordinary human beings Esotericists, however, can attain a sense for it when they look up in gratitude to the elevated cosmic beings who let their grace stream down upon us. We then sense this inner spiritual light, which we can grasp only inwardly. When we concentrate on yet further heights, we can sense the warmth of the beings of the Saturn sphere, which allow their warmth to stream down through the other spheres, Between the collaboration of Mars and Venus is the Sun Circle of the Third Sun. All of the mysteries have talked about this Third Sun. The First Sun is the creative physical one that sends us its warming rays. The Second stands behind the physical sun and is the spiritual sun which bestows the eye upon us. The Third Sun is the high bearer of the Christ principle, the Christ who grants us with His Sun forces of grace the higher I. Since the time of the mystery of Golgotha, a connection goes from this third son to the earth. It is the son of which Paul spoke, not I, but Christ in me. It is the Christ whom every human being can receive since the mystery of Golgotha. This third son became manifest to the candidate during the Christian initiation. The tragic fate of Julian the Apostate is that he knew of the third son, and could not identify it with Christ. We should remember these seven spheres when we contemplate the seven roses of our rose cross. They are the symbol for these seven spheres. Through the Christ circle the effects of the spheres are divided into two parts, a part underneath consisting of four circles of forces that work from below, and a spiritual part above. Made up of three circles of forces that work indirectly. For the spiritual upper part, the mantra is valid, per spiritum sanctum revivissimus, in the spirit we will be reborn. For the part underneath, ex deo nasimur. Christ is the connection between the two, in blank, moremur. End of record B. Record C. Esotericists are able to attain something in their spiritual development only if they earnestly, truthfully and constantly attempt to sense themselves in the physical world as soul-spiritual beings from a soul-spiritual world. It was already explained yesterday in the public lecture how we should sense the condition of going to sleep as the exhaling and the condition of awakening as the inhaling of spiritual nature just as we inhale and exhale the air that surrounds us. Esotericists must be able to sense such things. They must differentiate themselves from the exotericists in their feelings. Modern people look at animals, plants, minerals, the sun and stars, seeking to discover the cause of all the manifestations in their surroundings. This is in a certain sense justified and necessary for our age, However, esotericists must manage not only to recognize the outer lawfulness of all things, but when they look around at the animals, plants, minerals, and the sun and stars, they must see in all these manifestations the expression of the spirit standing behind them. They must come to be able to read the words that are put together out of individual letters and written in the heavenly space. The same way that we create a word by putting letters together, and thereby give the word its meaning. Esoteric script signs are to be found everywhere in cosmic space. They have only to be deciphered. Let us consider such an esoteric script sign. We must first of all regard the human being as a conscious I, established in a self. All human beings possess the ability to remember back to a certain point this occurs because they are conscious of their eye there is however a state of illness in which the eye consciousness is lost it has happened that for instance a man buys a train ticket to a station of his choice while he is still in a quite normal condition then he travels from station to station and suddenly only comes to himself again finds himself again at some place in africa such a person has actually lost his eye for a time. Through spiritual scientific methods, this can be seen very clearly. The activity of the intellect is not turned off or lost, but the eye consciousness, the essential part of the eye, is lost. Such people are traveling from city to city, often in a more practical manner than other people. We strengthen eye consciousness, when we bring interest to all things that confront us in the outer world. Many theosophists, for instance, become one-sided in their striving, but that is not correct. We may not become indifferent toward the things and facts around us. We should take everything in. Many people feel sympathy or antipathy immediately with everything they see. They say immediately, I like this, but not that. But what they don't like, they don't pay attention to. When this happens with only the intellect, it is less dangerous. Then it remains objective. Through feelings, however, things become subjectively colored. We should look at and pay attention to everything, which includes what we don't like or find interesting. Through this the eye consciousness is increasingly strengthened. Let us imagine that this I established itself as this point in cosmic space. In order for such an I to experience itself and become active in the physical body, forces must be involved. These forces can be imagined as the circle around the point. The great cosmic spirit had already placed this script sign in cosmic space many long ages ago. This sign is the earth with the moon. From the moon, raise forth to human beings the forces of reproduction and the heredity that goes from generation to generation. The moon moves in a quite specific path around the earth. Its phases are first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, full moon and new moon. If this sequence were interrupted, even once with the moon torn from its orbit, the human race would soon perish. When the earth comes to the end of its evolutionary course, and exerts too strong a force of attraction, it will pull the moon into itself again, and human beings as physical beings will perish. Thus we look, full of gratitude, at the moon which sends its forces of generation into the evolution of humanity. We must see in the way the moon moves around the earth a sign from the esoteric script that was placed in cosmic space by lofty beings as the lowest expression. Of their high working. The moon and earth are shown upon by the sun that rays into our inner being, in which the human eye is reflected. And when we look up to the sun, we must say, O oh, you heavenly star in the firmament, that sends your rays into the inner being of the human being and rays back the innermost being, the eye of the human being. And still other forces stream to us from the heavenly bodies. The forces of the intellect flow into the development of humanity from Mercury. When we search further, we must ask where the forces come from that give the intellect what we call the progress of the human race. How many thoughts have flowed as inventions into the various epochs, right up to ours? Children in school are taught now what could not be taught before the Greek-Latin epoch, the Pythagorean Theorem. These forces which weave and work slowly into the human intellect and which come to expression in the inventions of all the epochs come from Venus. They flow, bestowing strength and creativity into the forces of Mars. In order to guide these Mars forces into the right paths, as it were, so that not just the creative intellect would reign, Jupiter sends loving streams down to us out of yet higher worlds. And when love intensifies more and more in the human soul, this love becomes warmth that flows down to us from Saturn. Between Mars and Venus is the sun, yet not just one sun, but a threefold sun, a physical sun, a spiritual sun behind the physical, and a still more spiritual sun that we call the Christ. Thus we see seven heavenly bodies in space, they are the seven roses of celestial space, such as we see in our symbol of the rose cross, and as an eighth, so to speak, the threefold sun. The mantras that were given in the last lessons here, February 17 to the 20th, 1913, can be meditated in the sense of what was said here today, and with the feelings connected with them. The task of all esotericists must be to grasp more and more this spiritual son, Christ, and to awaken him and sense him ever more strongly within themselves. There was an initiate in the time after Christ who could not raise himself up to this Christ or grasp him, which laid the basis of his tragic end. This was Julian the Apostate. Thus through meditative contemplation of what was given in this lesson, we must come more and more to understand the words of our Rosicrucian mantras, ex deo nasamur, in Cristo morimur, per Spiritum Sanctum revivissimus. And we must also come to an ever-increasing understanding of the mantra that was given to us by the masters of wisdom and the harmony of feelings, and which we hear at the end of every esoteric lesson, in the Spirit lay the germ of my body, and the Spirit has imprinted in my body. Close quote. There's a chart here, I'll read these. Lead b- to the tree, beech, to Saturn. Gold to ash, to the sun. Silver to the cherry tree, moon. Iron, the oak, Mars. Mercury, the elm, Mercury, quicksilver. Tin, Maple to Jupiter. Copper, birch to Venus. Moon, wisdom. Mercury, receptivity for the divine. Venus, religiosity, morality. Sun, love. Mars, willingness to fight. Resistance, capability. Jupiter, the indication is missing. Saturn, willingness to sacrifice. End of record C. Record D. Esotericists should take into themselves with deep earnestness everything that is said. Also, what was said yesterday in the public lecture, entitled Life Questions and the Riddles of Death, has deep meaning and significance. The example given there should be thought through deeply by esotericists. This was the example that just as people inhale the air that surrounds the whole earth, so too they inhale the soul spiritual, which surrounds us in exactly the same way as the air, upon awakening, and exhale it when going to sleep. The people who are connected only with the exoteric part of life ask about cause and effect for everything. All of modern science is based on this, our age is proud of being as exoteric as possible and of relating everything to cause and effect. Esotericists, however, should act differently. They should not ask about the cause or the effect of manifestations, but about their meaning and what they represent in the entire cosmos. For esotericists, everything becomes a sign, letters, words, words just as we would not ask upon seeing or hearing the word but whether the you is the effective be, so too we would actually not be able to do that with other manifestations. Esotericists are esotericists because they regard things as letters of a script that they must seek to combine into a whole. Thus esotericists can have two experiences that are signs for them of something else. One experience is that we are aware that we experience ourselves as soul, because from a certain point in our life we can recall or have memories. We could sense ourselves as I. If this memory were to be blotted out, as can occur, we would be obliterated as an I, as soul. It can happen that a man, for instance, buys a ticket to a city in Central Europe, while on the trip his memory of himself is wiped out. In spite of this, such a person can keep traveling and perhaps can even act in a much more sensible manner than in normal life. He travels farther and farther until he finds himself again, for example, in a place in North Africa. A letter in the cosmic word that this soul represents has been lost, as it were. And when we investigate such people to see what else is lacking in this cosmic word, we usually find that they already had in their normal life a lack of interest. Esotericists should develop interest in everything in their surroundings and in everything that happens around them. They should not remain just at the point of what they like and don't like, that is, with only sympathy and antipathy. The standpoint is not so dangerous when we are judging only with the intellect, but it becomes dangerous when the feelings are involved. The other experience is that we feel ourselves as human beings in a line of generations, Before our generation were those of our parents, our grandparents, etc., and after us come those of our children, grandchildren, and so on. We have this stream of generations to thank for our bodies. If we take these two thoughts together, we can draw the symbol below. The point in the center is our eye, and the ring around the point symbolizes that from which the effect of the generation proceeds and gives us our bodies. The gods have written this sign for us and we can see it when we contemplate the earth with its moon circling it. For the eye, we look up to the sun and know that without the sun there could never be an eye in the human being, just as without the moon or with a displacement of the moon the human race would have to waste away. And when we lift ourselves to Mercury in the sense of these spiritual hierarchies, that means taken esoterically, we see in it what made the earthly development possible by giving human beings thinking. Without this, human beings, though having a body and an eye, could not do anything. Yet through thinking alone, nothing new could come about in evolution. There could be no progress. In order for progress to occur, discoveries, new thoughts are necessary. We have Venus to thank that new thoughts and discoveries exist Today's schoolchildren already learn what was earlier the only deepest wisdom, for example, the theorem of Pythagoras. Therein lies progress. Let us go beyond the effect of the sun to what comes from Mars. The Mars forces, combining with Venus, make new creative thoughts possible. Mars gives us inspirations for the progress of humanity. That these Mars forces, in their connection with Venus do not lead to warlike consequences, is due to Jupiter. Those who live into the Jupiter forces feel themselves in a sphere of light that bestows wisdom upon them. And when they steep themselves in this light, they can distinguish cold rays and warm rays within it. That is what proceeds from Saturn. Between the series of Moon, Mercury, Venus, and the series of Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn stands the Sun and its working and there is a diagram. The planets underneath work directly upon the human being and Earth conditions. Those above work indirectly. Mars works by uniting with Venus, and through this gives the inspiration that makes it possible for humanity to proceed further. Jupiter works like a grace, influencing the Mars forces in such a way that they do not become combative, and Saturn gives enthusiasm. The sun stands in the middle between these two series of planets and has a double, indeed a triple, nature. It is a secret of esotericism that there are three suns. The first is the sun that brings the light that makes visible the physical objects on earth. And in this light is something spiritual that comes from the second sun which bestows upon us the eye through which we have memory so that we can have a self-contained soul life. Behind this lies something still more spiritual. This is the third Son. The third Son is the Son Spirit, Christ. He gives the possibility for the I, which merely exists through the memory, to go from incarnation to incarnation and to attain eternal life. This third Son has been united with the earth ever since the mystery of Golgotha took place. Rosicrucianism has preserved the knowledge of this, Julian, the apostate, had a presentiment of the three suns, that he could not find the spiritual sun, the third sun, the Christ, became his undoing. Let us take, as is right, the moon and earth together as a unit, or let us not count the earth. Then we have in the seven planets the seven light roses which Rosicrucianism places before us. And with the moon, sun, and the other planets is connected the three part Rosicrucian mantra. Ex Deonasimur, in Christo morimur, per Spiritum sanctum revivissimus. From God we are born. In Christ we die. In the Holy Spirit we come to life again. And a record D, record E. Esoteric sign, uh, the circle with the dot. Four boundary with lotus flower. Everything around us is the outer expression of the spiritual, which stands behind it. Esotericists must come to be able to read the word that is made up of individual letters and written into the celestial space. They must learn to read this spiritual script. Esoteric script signs are everywhere to be found in space, and esotericists have the task to decipher them. Such an esoteric script sewing that has the most manifold and greatest meaning is o if we want to decipher its meaning we must contemplate the human being as a self-contained being inwardly conscious of his or her own self as i readers aside there is a, there's an oval it's not really a circle i don't know if it stands for zero or for o uh, so i'm leaving that open and readers aside All human beings have the capability of remembering back to a certain point in their life. This occurs because they are conscious of their I in the normal way. There is, however, a condition of illness in which the human being loses this I-consciousness. Such people act apparently quite reasonably. They can take a trip in a practical manner, for instance, but without purpose or goal, and they know nothing concerning themselves, often not even their name. The activity of the intellect is not wiped out, but the consciousness of the I is. It comes to them again suddenly. We can strengthen our I-consciousness if we bring a loving interest to all things that confront us in the outer world. Never may we become one-sided or indifferent toward the things, facts and people all around us. We should take things in without immediately feeling sympathy or antipathy toward them. We should not immediately say that we like this and dislike that and so not pay attention to the latter. We should seek to understand everything without our subjective feelings, even everything we do not like. Through this the I will be strengthened more and more. Let us imagine this I established in itself as a point in space. The I is such a point. So that the I can experience itself in a body, forces must enter in. Let us imagine this as a circle around the point. Already long ages ago, the great cosmic spirit placed this script sign in space, representing the earth with the moon. From the moon, the forces of reproduction, heredity, everything that goes from generation to generation, radiate to human beings. The moon moves in a quite definite path around the earth. This path shows itself as a first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, full moon, etc. If this course were interrupted, the moon torn from its path just once, the human race would have to go under. At the end of Earth's course, when the Earth will exert too great a force of attraction, it will again take the moon into itself, and the human beings as physical beings must go under. Thus we look filled with gratitude upon the moon that sends its forces as forces of gravity into the evolution of humanity. We see in it a sign from the esoteric script that the lofty beings have placed into space. This script is the lowest expression of their high working. The moon and earth, however, must be shown upon by the sun. The sun radiates into the depths of the human being, and in these depths it Reflects the human eye. When we look up to the sun, we must say, You magnificent heavenly body in the firmament, we thank you that you send your rays into the inner being of the human, and that you reflect back this inner being, the eye of the human being. And still other forces stream to us from the celestial bodies. From Mercury, the forces of the intellect and reason flow into the evolution of humanity. When we seek further, we must ask where the forces come from that give the intellect what we call the progress of the human race. How many thoughts have flowed as inventions into all the various epochs right up to our own? School children now learn what could not be taught during the Greek-Latin epoch, the Pythagorean theorem. These forces, which slowly work into the human intellect and drive human beings to discoveries, come from Venus. And these forces are intensified in creative inspiration by forces from Mars. In order to direct these Mars forces in the right way, so that not just the creative intellect operates, Jupiter sends loving streams down, out of still higher worlds. And when the love intensifies more and more within the human soul, this love will become warmth, which then flows down to us from Saturn. There we see the seven roses of celestial space, and in their midst the eighth rose, the threefold sun. For there is not just the one sun that we perceive physically. Behind that sun stands the spiritual sun, of which the physical sun is only the outer garment. And behind this spiritual sun is a sun that is yet more spiritual, and which we call Christ. The task of the esotericists of the Rose Cross must be to understand ever more deeply this spiritual son, the Christ, and to awaken him ever more strongly within themselves. There was an initiate in the Christian era who could not reach up to the most spiritual son, the third son, to Christ. He could not grasp the Christ being. And this led to his tragic end. That was Julian the Apostate. There's a slight chart here the circle with the dot human eye and its sheaths circle in the dot moon and earth circle in the dot sun and capital i circle and dot the seven celestial roses with the eighth then moon is wisdom to silver to cherry tree mercury receptivity for the divine quicksilver elm sun love Gold, ash. Venus, religiosity, morality, copper, birch. Mars, willingness to fight, resistance, capability, iron, oak. Jupiter, unclear then, tin, maple. Saturn, willingness to sacrifice, lead, beech. Rec- end of record E. Record F. Introduction concerning inhaling and exhaling. Awakening, inhaling the soul spiritual. Going to sleep, exhaling the soul spiritual. Exotericists recognize everything as cause and effect. For the esotericists, it is like reading in a script of the divine spiritual. Thus esotericists must learn to differentiate between the inner core of the human being and what is in this core as the spiritual. This is the twofold inheritance. The one is what develops itself from generation to generation and reproduces. The other is the spiritual, which moves through it. The germ or core of the human being that is clothed in or surrounded by what is inherited from the fathers can be expressed in, in quotes, letters in this script. The germ, a point with a circle around it. There's a picture, the end of record F and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Helsingfors, or Helsinki, June 1st, 1913. In our esoteric lessons, we must raise ourselves up to the divine beings around us. Because we esotericists know that many levels separate us, from the divine beings who are spoken about in the outer life in such a thoughtless manner. Let us turn to the gods who stand between us and the highest spiritual regions. These are the gods of the days. Thus let us consciously experience time. Let us experience the reign of the various gods over their respective days. Bracket, here apparently the prayer to the spirit of the day Sunday was spoken. Close bracket. Much of what is in ordinary life must become different for us as esotericists. We must begin to feel ourselves as living in the great sea of the soul spiritual around us. We must know that just as we are one physically with the surrounding world through the common air that we inhale, so too are we embedded soul spiritually in the spiritual world all around us. Upon awakening in the morning we inhale in a long pull of the breath the spirit that we ourselves are upon going to sleep we exhale our spirit again into the spiritual world everything around us becomes different as esotericists when we see the sunlight we no longer see just the physical sun we know that without the sunlight we could not feel ourselves as an i we know that the sunlight also contains the force which brings about the i and when we look At the moon with its changing form in the phases, we know that connected with it is the force that enables us to have offspring. The life that goes through the generations is connected with the moon. We can see this everywhere in symbols. We see the sun rise and set. We see the four phases of the moon and the symbol with the four roses, which can be a symbol for us of the sun-eye force and the moon-reproduction force or regeneration force. However, in addition, we must learn to read and not just stare blankly at things. Then we see in Mercury the messenger, and we know that through its force our eye is brought into connection with the force of reproduction, that the messenger, the esoteric Mercury, produces the union. Thus thinking about the sphere out of which we come every morning, but also at every birth, we can feel with reverence the following mantra sounding in us, E-D-N and then we know that behind the physical sun and the I-engendering sun there is yet a third sun this is the Christ force with which we unite ourselves I-C-M we may then allow to follow full of hope the mantra P-S-S-R the end of that esoteric lesson esoteric lesson given in Helsingfors, Helsinki, June 5, 1913 One of the complaints of esotericists is that they are bombarded by thoughts during meditation, but that is natural. Those are Luciferic and aramanic beings, whom we did not notice before, but who become noticeable precisely through meditation. It does not help to not see Lucifer and araman To say that the thoughts which inundate us are not there would be just as foolish as to say that someone we feel in a dark room is not there because we cannot see him or her. We must not fight against such thoughts. That would be like trying to fight against a swarm of bees. Precisely through calm, still continuation of our meditation, they will have to leave us of their own accord. With many things we must learn to think differently. Our meditation does not actually depend on the amount of time involved, but rather on the intensity, on the complete interest in the content of the meditation. The events in Adyar caused us much pointless, useless thinking, and many of our theosophical friends were obliged, because they had to give time to the situation, to think useless thoughts, instead of being able to dedicate themselves to spiritual progress. There are forces at work that want to harm us, but because they do not have many possibilities to attack us in the realm of pure esotericism, where truth and purity are strongly maintained, they try now to hinder us and harm us by causing us to use our forces on useless writings when we could make better use of our time in other ways. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Stockholm, June 8, 1913 it is not comfortable to become an esotericist, and as strange as it may sound, it would not be possible to become an esotericist if it were comfortable. One of the things esotericists need the most is to follow the ancient Greek word of wisdom, know yourself. It sounds odd, but it is true. Human beings basically know everything else on the physical plane better than they know themselves. Self-knowledge is so difficult. Because those who begin to practice it soon make discoveries that are unpleasant to them. Then they would rather leave it alone and not go into it. We should, however, also practice a self knowledge of the human being in general. When we do this, we soon make three discoveries. These consist of the facts that human beings, as they are in their physical incarnation, first, do not want to acknowledge the Spirit, but deny it. Second, They want to run away from the spirit. In fact, they fear it. And third, in the depths of their soul, they do not even love the spirit. People do not want to acknowledge the spirit when it approaches them on the physical plane in its true form. For example, when people see a rose, they will say that they form an idea of the rose. But they will believe that this idea comes from the outer world. That is a non-knowing, a not-recognizing the spirit. For in reality, our ideas and thoughts do not come from the outer world, but are bestowed upon us directly from the spiritual world. When people hear this, they say, no, I will not accept the spirit in this form. Actually, however, they basically do not want the spirit at all, but would rather run as far away from it as possible. Let us assume that an advertisement is posted to announce two lectures. One lecture is announced as a theosophical topic in which people know up front that they will have to think along with what is said, that they will have to work with their mind. The other lecture is one with slides. Where will the most people tend to go? With the lecture with slides. They do not have to direct their attention themselves. Rather, it is compelled by the slides to stay with the objects. However, it is precisely this compelling element that brings it about that we ourselves are not the ones who think, but rather it is Ahriman who thinks. With the Theosophical Lecture, everyone is invited to be present, in quotes. With a lecture with slides, Ahriman is invited to think for human beings. The greatest conjurers of the spirits are the materialists. Every materialistic gathering is nothing other than a conjuring of Ahriman, because people in the depths of their souls fear the spirit. People run from the spirit because they cannot love it. It is still fortunate today that there are individuals who feel instinctively that they should get involved with what theosophy has to give, and who thus come to the spirit. Out of the usual tendencies of people in physical existence, No one would reach the spirit, and also human beings do not love the spirit. What is love, actually? When clairvoyants research this, they can come to bitter experiences, as long as they do not contemplate or consider these experiences in the light of the yet greater whole. Let us assume that two people are born who, through their karma, are required to love one another in this life. Then a clairvoyant can often observe that Before birth, these two people hated one another in the spiritual world. Or a mother has a child that she, according to the wise arrangement of the world order, rears with love. Yet before the mother was born, she had perhaps hated the child. Here we come to an area where the wise cosmic guidance has acted with special wisdom. What unites people in, in quotes, love, is, namely, by far, in most cases, egotism. We love the other person because we feel it to be pleasant to be near the loved one. The good gods had to use egotism in order to train human beings in love. Without using the means of egotism, which is often where luciferic influence occurs, no one could be brought to work out karmic connections through love relationships. A mother would not even want to bring the child who is connected with her karmically into the world. Thus in this world everything is really reversed. Love is given by Lucifer and Ahriman and egotism is given by the progressive gods so that through the ennoblement of egotism human beings can achieve true love. This is said in order to point out the following. Beginning esotericists often complain about the thoughts that inundate them in their meditations. It is actually a sign of progress that they sense these thoughts. It proves that they no longer have Lucifer and Ahriman within themselves, but that they are beginning to perceive Lucifer and Ahriman as powers outside of themselves. For such thoughts, rising up, come totally from Lucifer and Ahriman. If everything had remained as originally intended, then human beings would never have been able, after the Luciferic temptation, to forget their thoughts. They would always have had access to the Akashic Chronicle, but it would have been Lucifer and Ahriman who would have written this chronicle for them. For this reason, the good gods had to arrange that human beings can forget their thoughts. Everything that sinks into unconsciousness is dead, but Lucifer and Ahriman eat it all. They make it into a part of their being, and as Luciferic and Aramonic nature, it comes out again during our meditations. The moment we set about to meditate, there arises in Lucifer the hope, perhaps I will conquer the world yet. Then Lucifer storms us with our discarded thoughts. People actually love going from thought to thought. What they don't like is contemplation remaining inwardly filled with a thought content. Observe how long non-esotericists will carry out an intention when they have made this resolution in freedom. With esotericists there is a certain self-imposed compulsion, for instance like the Essene pupils who thank the sun every morning for rising. How few will manage to do it for more than a few days? In reality human beings do not love the Spirit at all. They must force themselves to hold definite thoughts in their soul for a longer time. In truth, it is actually Lucifer and Ahriman that human beings love. As protection against this, we have our Rosicrucian mantra, Ex Deo in Cristo moremur, per Spiritum Sanctum revivissimus. From God we are born, in Christ we die. Through the Holy Spirit, we come to life again. End of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Munich on September third, 1913, record A. The mantra for Wednesday was spoken. Going forward, our task will be to bring out all the esoteric elements that are between the lines of all of the outer things that we experienced during our time together. All esotericism consists of taking in and grasping with our mind and soul what we can understand outwardly. Mainly what we have spoken about during this whole time are the guardian of the threshold, Lucifer and Ahriman. We must learn to know and recognize Lucifer and Ahriman in order to protect ourselves from attacks from them. Above all, we must avoid taking concepts that we have formed and accepted on the physical plane, and which are correct for the physical plane, into the spiritual realm when we cross the threshold. Philosophy is not something that many of you here think about, but you know that it attempts to give views of life and of the world. Philosophers speak chiefly about two things. The first is multiplicity or plurality in which everything is reduced to its smallest particles, atoms, and monads. For example, Leibniz's philosophy is a monadic spiritual worldview. Haeckel's materialism is one of atomism. The second is unity or indivisibility. An example of this is Spinoza's philosophy, and also Hegel's worldview can be counted here. Multiplicity and unity, however, are concepts that have meaning only for the physical plane and not for the spiritual world, at any rate, not for the elemental world. From among earlier friends who were philosophers and were working along with us, one day one of them came to me to tell me that since unity alone is true, and because we did not believe this, it would be impossible to work with us any longer. This person left us. Those who worship unity and take this concept with them into the spiritual realm succumb to Lucifer. Those who regard only multiplicity to be correct succumb to Ahriman. Those who become conscious in the spiritual realm, and that is the main requirement for advanced esotericists, so that during meditation they are conscious outside of their body, will first of all see themselves. As the main impression, they have themselves before them, their physical body and their own relationship to their physical being. Here in the physical plane, we feel ourselves to be a unity in relation to the environment, which we regard as a multiplicity. We see the clouds, mountains, and trees. In short, we see the various kingdoms of nature around us. Were we to believe that the cloud up there is a part of ourselves, like a finger is a part of us, we would give ourselves over to a great error. In the spiritual realms, we perceive our own self as a multiplicity. In the elemental world, we see all the forces and beings at work upon our physical body as multiplicity. It is as if we were seeing a hundred thousand revelers there, like a legion. However, we would fall victim to Araman, if we were to regard this multitude of revelers only as a multiplicity, and not say, all of you together are simply myself. You all, in your multiplicity, make up my unity. We must say this with all our strength, energy, and thoughtfulness, and not just in a theoretical intellectual manner. We must really experience the conviction that multiplicity is unity in the spiritual realms. If we were not to strengthen our soul to feel this, but rather regard the hundred thousand revelers as a hundred thousand revelers, pieces of us would fly off. We would be torn apart into the multiplicity. Harmonic beings would take pieces of our being, and these beings would veil themselves in the pieces and reflect error and lies to us. Certain primitive tribes know lions only as multiplicity. They cannot think of them as a unity, as a species. We must really accurately grasp the concepts of unity and multiplicity, and those concepts that are suited only for the physical plane we must leave behind when we cross the threshold. Title, The Soul's Awakening, Fourth scene, Romanus, quote, but when I left their doors, my reason swept aside the temple's mood for daily life. Close quote. Through meditation we must strengthen our soul so much that when beings in the spiritual world draw near to our soul, we feel strongly that we can immediately recognize whether or not these beings want to lead us into error. Our soul must be able to recognize you are builders of my physical body. In theosophical literature, we often find diagrams that are useful as far as they go. They start from a unity and then divide and go more and more into multiplicity. Or they begin with multiplicity and go until they reach unity. Even if these presentations are perhaps not quite correct, no great harm is done. It does some harm, but not so much as long as it remains on the physical plane. If we wanted to take this concept along when crossing the threshold, it could be terrible. A scheme can serve as a teaching tool when it is serving only as a symbol. And when we remain conscious of the fact that we can also represent the same thing through this or in hundreds of other ways, if we are not aware of this, we succumb to Araman. Feelings and emotions play into all presentations. One must present something to one person in a lively manner and to another in a totally different way, which could perhaps have affected the first person antipathetically. It must be that way. No one should ever, through eloquent means, force a spiritual truth, so to speak, upon an esotericist. That would mean that Lucifer is involved. Students of esotericism must be free in their willingness to be receptive. Thus you must keep life on the physical plane properly separated from life in the spiritual worlds. When you cross the threshold, you must not take with you the concepts that are valid in the physical. It is the same when coming back from the spiritual world into the physical. The spiritual concepts and moods must be left behind, as said by Romanus in The Soul's Awakening. The working of the armonic and Luciferic beings is necessary for the world order, as long as they remain within their appropriate bounds. Esotericists must so strengthen their soul that they can recognize and protect themselves from the attacks of these beings. Only when human beings have managed in physical life to maintain the balance between Araman and Lucifer, when they know the origin of everything that meets them, only then will they have self-assurance in the spiritual world. From what is given in the esoteric lessons and through their meditative life, esotericists should accustom themselves to feel differently from the exotericists. The esotericists should let their whole life and all their actions be shown through by the spiritual so that there is no possibility for trouble and strife to reign in their ranks. It works. Really, it works. In exoteric life, the esotericists must behave as exotericists. It is only that they must feel themselves like an adult in relation to children. However, they must be purely objective and not be arrogant or presumptuous. It would be as if a forty-year-old man went bowling with children, and when the bowling ball hurts his finger or hits and blackens his eye, he would want to beat the ball. It would be natural for a child to vent anger this way. Adults can play the game better than the children, but they have different feelings about it. The adult can stand above the game, whereas the child is wrapped up within the game. Many of our dear friends have told me that my book titled Theosophy is so difficult to understand and have asked if it could not be presented in a simpler way. Once in a while I have started to write it again. Yet one should not think that it would be easier and less strenuous to have Theosophy written in popular form. I have always put my pen away again. If people wanted to take in theosophy without challenging their thinking, they would be offering Lucifer points of attack. It is quite proper to suffer somewhat thereby. There are also many false concepts in the physical realm. For instance, the assumption that light is based only on waves is wrong. It is quite wrong with regard to spiritual things to speak of waves, oscillations, and vibrations. Some people say of an esoteric lesson that sympathetic vibrations reigned there. People like to say this. They should not do this. During these days, there has been much talk about all the dangers that await students of the spiritual along their path into the spiritual world. When people say, No, I do not want to go with this path, I do not want to raise myself up to be a bearer of the Spirit, because there are too many dangers connected with it. This is the same as when someone would say, I would love to live in the house that will soon cave in, but I just don't want to hear about the cave-in. Everyone must go on this path sometime, and so therefore it is necessary that we become acquainted with the dangers that we will face on this path. Humanity must undertake this path into the spiritual, if it is not to become sclerotic and withered. And it is the task of the esotericists to strengthen their souls in order to recognize all the difficulties, Lucifer, Araman, and the guardian of the threshold. Esotericists are to look these beings in the face so that they do not fall victim to these hindering powers, but they will conquer them in order to show humanity the way. Next is the In the Germ of My Body in German. I'm not going to read the German. I'm going to skip to the English version of it in the spirit lay the germ of my body and the spirit has imprinted in my body the eyes of sense that through them I may see the light of bodies and the spirit has imprinted in my body reason and sensation and feeling and will that through them I may perceive bodies and act upon them In the spirit lay the germ of my body. In my body lies the germ of the spirit, and I will incorporate into my spirit the supersensuous eyes, that through them I may behold the light of spirits. And I will imprint in my spirit wisdom and power and love, so that through me the spirits may act, and I become the self-conscious organ of their deeds. In my body lies the germ of the spirit. Close quote. End of record A. Record B. Many hear the lectures and many have heard the esoteric lessons over the years. In spite of this, one sometimes hears that one or another person finds it difficult to differentiate between the exoteric lectures and the esoteric ones. In fact, it is difficult to differentiate and to determine what should be designated as esoteric. We can have a simple measure for it by being clear that the communications, which are also given exoterically, actually come from the spiritual world and should be understood in that way. Only the nature and manner of the understanding is what makes a person an esotericist. When we manage To make inward, to spiritualize, what was brought to us outwardly, then we are esotericists. This spiritualizing, or making inward, of the exoteric is esotericism. We are esotericists when we really experience in our inner self what was communicated to us outwardly, when we experience not just with the intellect, but with all the senses and all the soul forces. In everything that surrounds us in the physical, sense-perceptible world, the Aramonic and Luciferic are to be found. These two forces flow together in the physical, sense-perceptible world. This should not occur, however, in the esoteric life. There, the Aramonic and Luciferic should be kept apart. How should this be done, since we do not have a measure for determining what is exoteric or esoteric, or what is aramonic or luciferic. Also in science and in art, in short, in the whole outer life, these forces are working without the human being knowing it. When we look at the various philosophies and worldviews, we can differentiate two main groups. There are philosophers who think that everything in the world is based on a unity thought, on a unity. To this group belong all the modernistic and standardizing philosophers, whether they are philosophies related to the physical, the spiritual, or to the soul. On the other hand, there are those philosophers who think that everything must lead back to a multiplicity. Those who want to base everything on a unity are permeated with luciferic impulses. Those who want to have everything lead back to a multiplicity are imbued with aramonic impulses. Now, since both streams, luciferic and aramonic, are justified in the physical sense-perceptible world, it is necessary to know how far this justification goes. And so the question is, how far is the one and how far is the other justified? What their respective justified areas of working are? The aramonic, a multiplicity, is justified in the physical world and to a limited extent in the elemental world. But it is not justified in the spiritual world. There are no atoms in the spiritual world. There are no uh, vibrations of light in the physical. Even a concept itself exists only in the physical sense-perceptible world. We cannot ever bring a concept into the spiritual world. Even the mathematical is not valid on the spiritual plane. We cannot base anything there or build on the fact that three times three equals nine. If someone comes into the spiritual world with such a dogma, it is almost a certainty that an aramonic being will interfere with the first, in quotes, three, and because of that, a totally different result will come about. Thus even mathematical concepts and arithmetical axioms have no validity or worth in the spiritual realm. The whole of atomism has validity only on the physical plane and to a limited extent in the elemental world, but none in the spiritual world. People who have the tendency to bring everything together in a unity are working with luciferic impulses. Those, however, who have a tendency to regard everything as broken into atoms or monads work under Araman's influence. Leibniz and Heckel break everything down into atoms, and so are influenced by Ahriman. Those who ascend into the higher worlds with such views hide from themselves the things as they really are. The things of the spiritual world are shown to them in a false light, just as when children playing nine-pin, a bowling game, beat the ball when something goes wrong. So it is approximately the same when people put the blame for what happens to themselves onto other people. What happens to them is karmic. The fault for it is not that of the one person alone, but also that of the other. We must also come to grasp the fact that what happens to someone else is our fault. In this way we find how the multiplicity becomes unity again. End of record B. Record C. Our esoteric work is to spiritualize, make inward what we receive in the exoteric lectures. In the last two weeks, much has been given to us that we must take into our soul and work on esoterically so that it has a true value for us. Much has been said about the threshold to the spiritual world at which we must leave quite a lot behind. What must be left behind is what is valid and right, For the physical plane. Some of the concepts of this plane that we carry over the threshold are innocent, without severe consequence. Much, however, becomes serious, because the Aramonic and Luciferic forces seize hold of it. Thus, for instance, we must completely change our concepts of unity and multiplicity on the other side of the threshold. Philosophers occupied themselves a lot with precisely these concepts, and they have created systems and worldviews through which they regard the world as a unity, monism, or as a multiplicity, the worldviews of Spinoza, Hegel, Leibniz, Haeckel. Such philosophies are justified on the physical plane, and these philosophers are like innocent children compared to esotericists who would do this kind of thing in general and without falling into arrogance or conceit, but with humility, esotericists should have the feeling in relation to other people that adults have when playing with children. From their standpoint, children are right to take their game seriously and to engage in it that way, whereas adults always stand above the game. The esotericists should stand above much in which the others justifiably are embroiled, esotericists who have once crossed the threshold into a place where they receive esoteric teachings and then proceed in their outer life exactly as before, still giving rein to their antipathies, jealousies, anger and other drives, have not yet penetrated into the spirit of what is meant. They have not yet comprehended and taken on the earnestness of the matter. When we cross the threshold into the spiritual world and are outside of our body, our body will appear like a great multiplicity. We will recognize this body to be the result of the work of all the elemental beings, of all the hierarchies. We must, in spite of this, recognize the multiplicity of the body as our unity, that we are a unity with it. Then the elemental beings show us their true countenance, if we hold the body to be a multiplicity as such, then Araman seizes our error, and all of these elemental beings will tear a piece from us and will approach us as false figures like a hundred thousand jesters or revelers. Every error related to a multiplicity falls victim to Araman, and every error related to a unity falls to Lucifer. If we want to reduce ourselves to being a unity, we succumb to Lucifer. The various philosophies of the multiplicity or of monism are ruled by Araman and Lucifer, respectively. If we are awake, the influences of these two beings are not so easily able to damage us. Indeed, it is dangerous to enter unprepared into the spiritual world. But we should not let fear keep us from crossing the threshold, because sooner or later every soul must take this step. The best way into the spiritual worlds is to immerse ourselves deeply in the truths given to us, to take them up with our whole soul and with boundless Gemüt, mind and soul or heart, and to let it penetrate us. People who mean well have often asked, if I could not give an easier, more popular book than Theosophy as a beginning, and so I have often started to write such a book. But there are dangers in making this easier for many minds and souls for whom this would be a poison. Thus I have always left it undone. The end of record C and the Record D. The esoteric life is the spiritualizing, making inward, of the exoteric knowledge that we acquire about the evolution of the world. In this lecture cycle, much that is esoteric flowed into what is, so to speak, behind what is spoken. And it will be our task sometime soon to find it and bring it out. Much has been said about the threshold to the spiritual world, across which we all must go at some point. At this threshold, the Aramonic and Luciferic beings can be dangerous for us, It cannot be stressed too often that we should not take with us into the spiritual world the concepts that have proper validity for the sense world. These concepts could become dangerous for us there. Multiplicity and unity are just such concepts. Philosophers who are esoterically intellectuals but have naive, childlike souls develop systems in order to explain world phenomena. They lead everything back to multiplicity, monadism, or to atomism. Heckel's philosophy In these systems or philosophies, aramonic impulses are at work. Or the philosophers move back to unity, monism, spinozism, or Hegelianism, in which the luciferic impulses hold sway. These concepts of multiplicity and unity are foolish in the sense world and dangerous in the supersensible world. They would lead us, when we are outside of our body, to see a hundred thousand jesters or revelers. In the suprasensible world, we must learn to recognize multiplicity as the unity of our body, which is outside of us there. We must recognize and realize that countless elemental spirits are working there and yearning to build the human being. We must tear the mask of lies off of these beings, and recognize them as subordinate helpers of the higher hierarchies. The desire is often expressed for an easier, more popular version of title Theosophy than is present in the book Theosophy. The theosophical concepts must be worked for. If as students we wanted to work through the content of the teaching in some other way, for example through beautifully elegant speech, we would let Lucifer flow into Theosophy. To speak of, in quotes, vibrations, in theosophy, as is often done, opens the door to Araman. We must return to the sense world from out of the esoteric life in the same way as adults taking part in children's games. If we return to our old strife, emotions, and passions, we are like those adults who, like children, beat the ball that hits them in the eye. That is the end of that esoteric lesson, I'm on page 139, that is the end of section 3 of this book. And again, I will mention, these are notes, these are not the words of Rudolf Steiner.